Uh, we're going to, Janie and I are preaching together, uh, at least in part, for this sermon series. And so you've been busy since Mother's Day, really, I right? I haven't sat down yet. <laughs> since Mother's Day. All right. And All right. We're, we didn't find out about the flood until this morning. Uh, as we pulled up into the building downtown. It's because so of the air conditioner, not the rain. Not the rain, not rain. AC, some valves didn't get yeah. shut when they mm -hmm. repaired it this week. And <clears throat> it's just nothing but water. Water, watching it drip off our projector was just yeah. heartbreaking. Well, onto the brand new drums. All over the sound, the All wall, over the brand new carpet. The carpet, all the way down back the brand to new there. Walls. The basement, totally. So, you know, when Brian gives me a call at 8.30 on Sunday morning, it's never any good. Give us some good news, Brian. <laughs> it's never like, hey, somebody dropped off a check for $100,000, Pastor. Ooh. This is amazing. Yeah, yeah. It's like, it's like Pastor. <laughs> There's water on the stage. Brian, hey, we're flooded, man. <laughs> really? No, like, we're really flooded. So I thought when we showed up, I thought no, it was way worse than I thought. Yeah. Oh, by the way, give our online viewers a hand of appreciation this morning for tuning in. God bless you, online viewers. <laughs> We have about 17 states that watch every week, and so we're shout out to them. But it was horrible down yes. there. Yes. All right. Let's just go. Ready? I don't. I mean, I want to. But we're it, still oh. shocked. Oh. <laughs> we should put the video up just so y'all could be shocked with us. But you know what? This God's got this, and so we're just not going to worry about it. We're not going to stress about it. We just know He's going to take care of it. Um, an air conditioner coil or something left on. Something happened. But, Bells but, were left on. But um, God's going to take care of it. And what the enemy meant for evil, God's going to turn and it's going to become That's good. That's right. Amen? Come on. So we're going to stand on that. Amen. When I speak, I always like to start with something kind of funny, maybe a joke or something. And so, you know, the kids are in. So my grandsons, they'll come over for lunch and they'll say, I'll say, so what'd you like? What's your favorite part? Jonah, our 10-year-old. Is he 10 now? Man. 10. 10. He said, because uh, I spoke, he said, I liked your joke. <laughs> I'm like, okay, the best part of the message was my joke. So here goes with this joke. And I'm the worst joke teller in the world. You are. I am the worst. It's like, I go right to the punchline. It's like painful sometimes. So I'm going to try it. I'm going to try it. So just laugh out of courtesy. Just, you're going to love it. I heard about this man who got caught shoplifting at the grocery store. So he went to court, and the judge said, Sir, I understand that you stole a can of peaches. How many peaches were in that can? He said, five, your honor. Okay, well, I'm going to give you one week in jail for each peach. So you have five weeks in jail. His wife stood up and said, your honor, may I say something? He said, he said, what is it? She said, he also stole a can of peas. Come on, you liked it. I know you liked it. How was that, Jonah? And the funny thing about Janie is, like, she thinks I'm stupid. So she'll explain the joke to me. Because there's a lot more you, peas than <laughs> there are peaches. It's you like I didn't it? get it. You, you get it? Yeah. <laughs> All right. You're that hilarious. Was funny. Okay, we're a good comedy team. Yeah, we are. Okay, <laughs> we're going to get serious. Okay. It's a rough day. Uh, it's a good day. Come back and hear him preach on his own. He's really good. good day to be in the house of the Lord. All right, Janie's going to open with the scripture of prayer. Yeah. Okay. And it's family day, and normally we would, like Pastor said, the middle schoolers would go downstairs and meet with a group that's their age. But for today, with it being family day and Memorial Weekend, um, we just was doing it all yeah, together. For sure. So I'm going to come out of 1 Corinthians 13, um, 4 through 7. It says, love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Amen. 
Father, we just thank you, Lord, for this word today and pray your blessings upon it. Let the hearers hear today, Lord, all that you have for them, Father, Lord, as we respect you and all your kindness and glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So look at that verse for a second. We, uh, most, if you're a regular attendant of Grace Church, you, you know a little bit of this story that we're going to talk about. But this is the seven-year anniversary of your illness when you got sick. Jenny got sick seven years ago coming back from a wedding from Nebraska. My niece got married, and I'll, I'll shorten it up. But she had an infection that went the wrong way through her bloodstream, and she, she went septic on us, okay? And so uh, her chances of survival were like, five percent and it would it caught us by surprise and uh, so when we took her to the hospital on a Wednesday afternoon uh, before Memorial Day weekend so it's this this week okay that we uh, late at night they were doing surgery one o'clock a.m. on Thursday morning and now you know you're in the middle of things and things are flowing and you start to think, you know, what's going on that really they never do surgeries unless it's an emergency at one in the morning. When I was talking to the doctor afterwards, it was about 2 or 2.30, you were in uh, recovery, and the doctor came out and says, well, we got what we needed to do, but it's, we didn't cure the problem. Well, what's the problem? We're not sure. She went septic on us, and, uh, you know, this is, a, this is a bad deal. I said, what, like, what, what, should we do? We're like, where's, what's our strategy? Where do we go from here? He said, well, if you have any family members outside of town, you need to call them in. Now, I want to tell you, that was maybe the most dramatic thing that I had heard uh, to date in my lifetime. You know, you, I, we have, our three of our kids are here, Jessica, Marcus, and Andrew. Jill, our oldest daughter, uh, lives in Omaha, Nebraska still, and I had to call her at 2.30 in the morning and say, honey, you need to pack a suitcase, bring a dress, and, and, and come down here. Now, no father wants to make that call. No parent wants to make that call. And understandably so, some of you have even been through worse calls than that that you've had to make. So I want to tell you what happens when you have to make that call or you get that call, and that's just verse 7. I think what happens is we hope all things and we believe all things, and that's powerful. We want to, we're a faith-filled church. I want to walk in faith. I want to walk in love. I want to walk in hope. I want to believe. But sometimes we also have to bear all things, and we have to, and we have to endure all things. And I think what happens as Christ followers, and it doesn't matter what religious denomination that you're from. If you love Jesus, you're a Christ follower, and you're one of us, okay? And so we're all in this thing together. There's no pre-conformed idea when you walk in the door, well, I'm a Methodist, or I'm a Lutheran, or I'm a Catholic, I'm a Baptist, or Pentecostal. No, if you love Jesus, you're a Christ follower. We're all in this thing together. This is who we are, okay? So you kind of come as you are. We're for all people. If you're a Christ follower, we love the I hope all things and I believe all things, but we don't really understand the I bear all things or I endure all things, but you need to be prepared for those things in your life when they, when they come. When, when that happened uh, to Janie and we sat down and we started to strategize on how we wanted to, I was so thankful that I've spent my life, the adult years of my life, loving Jesus in a relational way, knowing that here's faith. Now, faith isn't uh, asking God to th work things out the way you want them to. Faith is turning it over to God and saying, hey, God, your will, not mine. Your way, not mine. I'm going to bear this. I'm going to endure this. I'm going to walk through this, Lord. But if it, you see fit to want to take Janie home tonight, um, I, I don't want it, and I don't like it, but I'm good with it because my faith, hope, trust, belief, and confidence is in you as the creator of the universe. That's enduring all things. That's bearing all things. So that in, in that realm, uh, again, because life sometimes isn't pretty. Life sometimes isn't happy. Life sometimes isn't Sunday morning with Krispy Kreme donuts and iced coffee. It's like, man, I gotta, I've got to deal with this situation. How do I deal with it? You need to have faith, hope, and believe, but you might also have to bear and endure. And that's when a lot of people check out when they're bearing and enduring things because it's not been groomed. And you're going to hear it from this pulpit quite a bit. You'll have to bear that. There, suffering is a gift of the Spirit. You want to add anything? So in that, um, the, the scripture that talks about the rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Um, pastor had preached a message one time about the staff and how 
you know, David was the shepherd. And on that, he would put a mark when he, he killed the bear and he killed the, the lion and, and Goliath. And those were just markers that he used on his staff. That was comfort that came. That was reminders. That was his testimony. So we tell you our testimonies, and you could just put your testimony on that line. That's just part of my story. That's a part of our story. Our family was always very close. We were always very, very close but this even made us even closer, I would say. Um, we were together for nine straight days, never leaving the hospital, and um, pretty much just taking over and living there. And um, then that became that, that line on our, on our staff. Yeah. That became the thing that we can look back seven years ago, Friday, I think it was the day, I think it was, um, where, you know, if you hear the doctor say, well, we're giving her a 5% chance to make it. Do we need a marks to say, and should I move her to another hospital? Maybe Hickory doesn't have what Winston-Salem does, and they talked about that, and the doctor says, well, she won't make it if you try to move her. She, your 5% is going to go down. So they... And by the way, the hospital did a great job. They were wonderful. It was Fry, and they were yeah. very good. So we wasn't at all moving for that reason just they didn't have an infectious disease doctor in town, in town. Yeah. he was on vacation because it was memorial weekend and so that's what i had an infectious disease so we needed that doctor <laughs> would have helped but um but in that put your testimony there like i have i can take my my staff and and i can put it and you've, you've heard our story of our daughter jessica who when they said at seven months there's no heartbeat, we need to abort this, there's no child. And we're like, absolutely not. God's going to heal this. This is not too big for God. And then, you know, you've heard that, that testimony where everything, well, if, if she is born, it'll be this and this. And no movement, no kicking, no heartbeat, no nothing. But we knew that God had it under control for us, not saying that you should do that. That was just what worked for us at that time. And so that was our little faith builder, and she's incredible and healthy. So that's one little line on my, my testimony. Um, when your son is born at 8-1, and in four weeks or three weeks, he's down to not quite five pounds, there's a problem here. God, what are we doing? Another line. Maybe your marriage is at a place where it's like, I don't think I can do this. I'm, I'm, I want to quit. I want to give up. But you don't. You keep going and you put a mark there. And I'm not saying that you, sh you should use wisdom. Everything I say, maybe your marriage is in a place where unless God does a miracle, it's not going to happen. But that is our testimony. And then this is the financials. And then this. You start putting markers on on your staff that say, you can look back and say, well, God, you healed me here. You healed my child here. You rescued us here. You provided here. This becomes your testimony. And in your relationship, in your family, in your children, in everything we do, we have to have a testimony. And we, there's no test. There's no testimony. So we go through things that seem hard, but if we endure all, yeah. that's the key. Endure it. Don't quit. Keep going. It's like the baseball team. They might be down. It might be the, the ninth inning, and you all might think, well, we're not going to win this one. You don't quit. You are not out until you put your bat down. I loved it, that story, you know, that you've, you've shared that. You keep swinging. You keep hitting. You keep hitting. You are going to connect. You're going to make it. So um, that's just part of our story. That's yeah. our testimony. Yeah. And so that's the enduring all things, hard things. Yeah, and I think we talked last week, we talked about it a lot. It's the whole unity message. Is if a team's together, if it's families together, if the workplace is together, good things are going to be happening because you learn how to endure together. You learn how to bear together. You learn how to do those things together. If we learn how to do those things together, then it it. it it, it's an amazing, it's an amazing life. And you can overcome those sufferings in life. And seven years later, here you are standing preaching with oh, me. So God's here. good, right? Still here. Amen. So, amen. Thank you. Awesome. Okay. Are you going to tell your story? Are you huh? done? You I'm going to go to Psalms 127 Oh, first. yeah, go there first. Psalms 127, verses 3, 4, and 5 will hit briefly. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb of a reward like arrows in the hand of a warrior. And I want you to kind of grasp that for a second. Or the children of one's youth. 
Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with him. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. And this is really important. And we've always kind of laughed or talked about my quiver is full. We have four kids. We have five grandchildren. And, and uh, love them, love them to pieces. And, uh, you know, spouses and in-laws, all the great things that come with it. And, and as we were, were growing, uh, we had kids at a real young age, okay? And so we always thought, well, the quiver, well, the quiver is a really cool device for the warrior. It's where they it's it's where they would hide the arrows or store the arrows or pack the arrows. And I, I kind of liken it to a baseball team coach. A couple of your players told me they throw low 90s and one throws high 90s. And I'm going to come watch them and uh, we'll, we'll see if that, that's accurate or not. But But it's like if, you know, if you're throwing a guy that throws 95, 96, 97 miles an hour and you got me like on reserve, Throwing 42. Look out. What a great changeup, right? It's like you've got me in your quiver. Like I'm, I'm ready to, and you know every year I tell you, I've loosened the arm up. I'm getting a, a year older than last year, but I'm, I'm ready to go if you ever need to, you know, call on. My, but my point, my point is this, a coach would place players around him that he can win with. Parents have the opportunity to place children around them that they can win with. Why? Because we're teaching our children. We're training our children. Just like the warrior would, would uh, sharpen the arrow, you know, and maybe it's a four-sided arrow, so they're sharpening each side of those blades. They're making sure the arrow's straight. They're making sure the, the feathers are on properly. They put it in their quiver. Now their quiver is ready for the arsenal. It's ready for the battle. When you got sick... Our kid, we weren't training our kids to have faith in God. They were trained to have faith in God. They were trained to believe that mama could be healed. They were trained. And again, that still doesn't mean that if God chose and took Janie home, we're going to bail out on God because we know that God's plan is always the best plan. And there are some people here that maybe, hey, pastor, I prayed and it didn't work out. It just didn't work out the way that you thought it would. It worked out the way God thought it would, the way God saw fit for it, okay? And that's not a bailout. That's not a cop-out. Faith, supreme faith is having total 110% trust in that God knows best. But when we understand the quiver, and this is true, again, with ball teams, it's true with families, it's true with workplaces, you have to understand that that quiver is an opportunity for you to store up arsenals for your weaponry, for the, to be the warrior that you need to be. And this is how we raise not only our children, spiritual children, workplace, coworkers, baseball players, teammates, those people that we come in contact with, we're sharpening our arrow in that realm. Yeah. So... In a, a thought of that, we, we thought just to be very intentional. So being very intentional in what you do. Don't just, eh, this is good enough. I don't feel like it today. I'm not going not gonna to do it good. Be so intentional in raising your children. Have a plan. Like we had a plan with my, my sickness. We had a plan of who was coming in. Not that we didn't want everybody in there. We just had a plan that it was just going to be us. And if people see you sometime when you're so sick and they come visit you and they're like, oh, wow, that, she looks bad. They're not going to make it. That, oh, what are we going to do? Even though you have faith, you, you kind of might come down and your intention is good, but it can come across as negative, very good. It can come across as, ooh. And so our intent was... We're going to have a plan, and nobody in this room, if you have low faith or you're scared of, of, of the sickness, then we had a plan. It was just going to be our children and Mark. That was it. And that was our plan, and we stuck with that. So we were intentional. We were intentional raising our children, where they could go, what they could do. Um, it was um, discipline, but yet um, freedom and trust. Because I grew up, you all know, with very strict... Um, Father, I love dearly, but he'll tell you today he shouldn't have been so strict because it kind of put rebellion in me. So I think it's very intentional for us as parents to not push our kids so far away with so many no, 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 you can't, you can't, you can't, and never say why you can't. I always raised our kids, we did, with, with the intent that if we were going to tell them no, we were going to tell them why, why we don't do this. No, just because I said so. We really didn't feel like that really was a good in, way to raise. So be intentional, but um, 
even in your relationships, not just your children. Be intentional with your friendships, your job, your work, your baseball. Just, you know, go out there and say, I'm going to have an intention. I am going to, I'm going to make it pro. I'm going to do this. I am going to make an intention to do this. So in your relationships, be very intentional, like the quiver. that was. They were sharpening it. They were making it the best arrow it could be. They were really sharpening that up. So be intentional with it. Be intentional. Yeah, Yeah, and intention works so uh, I think it's Amos that says that it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. So we have to be careful in our intent that we don't let little things in, like little offenses come in or little hurts or harms or what somebody says, you know, uh, that, we, that we don't just harbor on that. And I, I like the story in Deuteronomy uh, chapters 1, 2, and 3 that talks about King Og. And Og was a big guy. He, in fact, archaeologists believe they discovered his bed. He was a raphiite, which was part of the old giantisms, and uh, he was around 10 or 11 feet tall and his bed was 13 feet 6 inches so like that's not that's not even a California king that's, that's big. bigger than that's bigger than big and oh, six or really tall ones seven, in here. yeah we do have some coach likes them big he likes to, I think that's I his, awesome. his prerequisite how tall are you and so, <laughs> so Og was 10 feet tall Big old bed, big old king, and uh, he was the king of Bashan. And we don't hear about Bashan much anymore, and I'll tell you why. But he allowed offenses to come in, and he was a conqueror, and he was defeating the armies. But he had raised up in a, in a, an offense, and so he decided he would build a wall all the way around his fortified city. And the problem with that was Bashan lived on a river, was a city on a river, and they had great scents, they had great fruit, they had great greenery, they had flowers, they had uh, uh, vegetables, they had uh, trees bearing fruit. It was just, our fruit bearing trees, it was just amazing what they had. And when he built the wall based on an offense, he stopped the river flow. When we stopped the river flow, the city started to die up. All the people started to die. They got infectious diseases. They started to die off. And the enemy came in and conquered him just like that. God turned Bashan over to Israel, and they called it Hebron. And today, Hebron is still a fortified mountain there that's beautiful. It's fruit-bearing. And so uh, that's where David actually got the second anointing. So here's what happened. What Og was doing based out of an offense, building a wall around himself, we need to be careful that when someone says something or does something in our family, in our relationship, our workplace, sports team, whatever it is, that we don't start to build up a wall. Now, again, I'm going to sidebar it for a second. That doesn't mean that maybe there are some people that you should shut out of your life or remove from your life or, or say, hey, I've tried long enough. I'm not going down that route anymore. Bashan or Og did it for a whole community. He shut everybody out. And by shutting those out, he actually brought death to himself. Because if you're not bringing that life in, we all need a life source. We all need to reciprocate those good days and bad days where we're, we're in it together. And that's true with family. That's true with home. That's true with finances. It's true, again, with teams, uh, whether they're business teams or, or sports teams. Mm-hmm. So he thought he was building a wall to, to save his people. And sometimes we do that. We think we're building a wall to protect our children, our family, our friends. But in, in, in looking at it the way the story goes, he was actually bringing harm. Yeah. So we have to be careful that we don't build up fences and build up walls where we can't allow somebody in that can speak into us, that can help us, that can bring direction, that can bring correction, um, that can bring life. So we want to be careful in our relationships that we don't build up the walls, that the wall was meant to help, but it actually hurt. I think it goes back to your no, 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 no. Always a child or a worker or whatever, always hearing the word, no, you can't do this, no, you can't do this. They're going to experience or experiment on their own if they're a certain personality type. Yes, if they have a certain personality type, they they will do it anyway. Yeah. So give us the relationship killers. Okay, we got four relationship killers. Um, I'm the bad cop, and he's the good cop. So you're always a good cop, Derek. So (laughs) yes, any other cops? I don't know. Yeah, we have Jesse's in here too. Actually, we're so y'all are good cops. I'm just gonna be the bad cop. There are no such thing in the Hickory. Um, Criticism. So these are relationship killers. These are killers. These are things in, it can be in a friendship, it can be in a relationship, it can be a brother, sisters, siblings, work, wherever you are. These are 
uh, relationship killers. So number one is criticism. So just my example of that, I used in the first, my husband loves grass on the ground. Yeah, not the kind you smoke. Grass, grass, <laughs> get that right. He likes grass. He, he's, he's got his riding mower and he goes out there and he just mows and his lines are just so sweet and so beautiful. And I could go and he would say, how'd you like my grass? I'm, I would say, well, you missed a spot. Well, I just brought him down rather than being encouraging and say, honey, that looks beautiful. Great job. Been out there for two hours and sweating and working in the heat. And all I saw was that one little line. You kind of missed that line right there. It'd be really good if you'd have did that. So I'm being very critical. Yeah. And, and that will kill your relationship. So my encouragement is to, to not do that. Try to not be criticizing. Yeah, so I think we talked earlier, and we've talked this whole week, is there's difference between critiquing and criticizing. Yeah. And criticizing is kind of continual. You know, it's always finding something that's the problem. And so the opposite there would be speaking life. You know, hey, you did a good job. I remember when I did cut the grass the first time, I kept it a little high. You know, wow, that's kind of high. And I was like, oh, man, I wanted to look so good. You want, you want things to look good, right? And criticism you should be able to bear, but it's easier to speak life in a situation. And people sometimes are critical by nature, okay? And sometimes they're critical because they want things so good or so well, but that would be more critiquing. So if you can just insert there, rather than being critical, to start speaking life. Isaiah 55 and 11 says that God's word will not return void. And so here's, here's what I say. Stop listening to or watching social media, stop listening to your favorite news channel, stop doing those, and stop regurgitating what you've heard and start just speaking life into the situation on maybe what the scripture says. So if we're, you know, maybe you're not a, a Bible thumper, maybe you don't quote the word, you don't have to, you just, you understand that to encourage, you said it, I think last week or two, it's to put courage in. So if we speak words of encouragement, you're actually putting courage in a person. So yeah. I think we need to go that route. So I was taking um, our grandsons to school one day. Um, this is a while back. They were smaller. They were little. And um, they were in the back seat and they were kind of just picking at each other and kind of eh, hitting each other. And you did that. No, you did that. And they were just kind of going back and forth, just kind of going at each other. And I said, hey, hey, boys. And, and Brady, I believe it was, said, Jonah, we're only supposed to speak encouraging words. And that has never left me hearing a little man say that to his brother, we're only supposed to speak encouraging words. And I think how beautiful that was that, and then Jonah says, you're right, Brady, I'm sorry. We're only going to speak encouraging words. And I tell you what, that has just stuck with me forever. So my number one, what I want you to try to do this week is only speak encouraging words. That's if you good. have something negative that, that you really want to go off and you want to say that about somebody or to somebody, just kind of go, not going to do it. Find something positive and say something encouraging. And you watch and see if your relationship doesn't grow and become strong. And they do that. They're very good. They're, they're, Brady and Joan are very good about speaking encouraging words. Yeah, and I are. love that about them, them, that their mama would put that in there. Very good. Next word. Next word is content or sarcasm or name-calling. Um, I think that would be um, a relationship killer to be just very content or sarcastic. You know how some people, you just always are always sarcastic and, and maybe he's trying to say something. My reply would be just a snappy sarcastic like, well, um, I didn't think of one, but just something sarcastic where he was trying to be encouraging and I snapped back and was like, well, if you had hair, your hat would fit better. I don't know. I just came up with that one. I don't know. I don't know. Is that yeah. not a sarcastic? Well, kind of. I don't. Most people would be, but I've been bald for so long yeah. it doesn't really affect. Something me. sarcastic. I don't know. We just kind of fly. We yeah. you know that by now. But just it, don't be sarcastic. Yeah, be ugly. And, and I think really contempt is born in pride. Yeah. Because it's like you're, you think you're, not you, but a person thinks they're perfect, that, that's contempt. And the opposite then would be humility. Yeah. Uh, the Bible says that God exalts 
the humble, but he strikes down those who are prideful. And so I think it goes with speaking life or being encouragement. It's rather than what about me, then it's all about you. It's all about that other person. And you have to walk in a spirit of humility if you're going to do that, mm -hmm. if you're going to try to build up another person or, yeah. or pour life into him, speak life into him. So, yeah, we're – and contempt is kind of a contentious spirit as well. Mm -hmm. It's nobody can ever do right type thing and so I think you just if you walk in humility and have a humble spirit it goes a long ways yeah okay and then defensiveness is always being the victim and it's never your fault so we want to try to stay away from that defensive um, spirit that that you you're you know this happened to me and that's why I'm like this and rather than just uh, own it and say yeah um Maybe it was your fault. Maybe I should take ownership. Maybe I should be the one that says, I'm sorry, I was wrong. And, um, you know, I love you. I'm sorry, I was wrong. I shouldn't have done that. And then we just let it go. But we don't. We hold that in and we become so defensive that, that we can't say anything to each other. And this is not just in a marriage, but it is very strong in a marriage. But um, be able just to, to say, lay your defenses down and just, you know, put your guard down. Yeah. Be, be okay with that. Yeah, this is not to disregard someone who has been victimized through abuse or something of that. We don't, mean, we don't mean to minimize that at all because there are a lot of people in the world today who have, have issues regarding that. We're talking about a continual um, victimize. My boss hates me. My spouse hates me. My coach hates me. All these things. At some point in time, you do have to take ownership. And then we do that through forgiveness. And the easiest way is to just say, hey, I, I forgive what's happened to me. Or I forgive that person. Or I forgive that, that relationship. I forgive Give those things so that I can move on. Chances are, if you have a continual victimization, you maybe have some unforgiveness in your, in your heart. And Jesus' first words on the cross were, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He didn't want to be victimized. He took the proactive approach. And when you walk in forgiveness, it's those things. Jesus said it. Uh, Peter said it so that our prayers would be heard. If we offer forgiveness, if we walk in forgiveness, don't Go, don't leave your gift at the altar or don't say your, your prayer if you have an ought against somebody. Go make it right before them. And, and Peter says, hey, if you're going to bash on your spouse, don't so that your prayers won't be held up or, or hindered. And so we do understand that people have been victimized and we don't demean that or belittle it. We don't disregard that. We understand that to some extent and, and, we, and we feel that. We're talking about a person who always plays the victim. It always happens to me. It's always this. It's always that. You're probably in a defensive posture. Maybe it's a little insecure, and you just need to walk in forgiveness and say, wait a second, I'm a healthy creature. Start, if nothing else, start to speak life into yourself. Yeah. Start to pour that. If nobody else will, you start to be the one that pours life into yourself, and, yeah. and good things will happen. And, and I shared with Mark that I had read um, just on a post that I said that was so good. It was the hardest t person I had to forgive never asked me for forgiveness, and the hardest apology I had to receive was never asked. I was the one who never asked for it. Yeah, he never, the person never asked for it, and you have to. But the healing comes when you do re receive forgiveness, or if you forgive that person, maybe they didn't even ask for it, but in your heart you know they've hurt you, they've wronged you. You can say, you know what, I'm just going to let it go. I'm going to put my defense down. I'm going to forgive that person for what they've done to me so that you can be healed. And then the, maybe they never apologized, but in your mind, you say, I, I received that apology because if I don't, then I will always be defensive. I will always be the victim where we can just shake it off and say, you know what, I'm letting it go. This might have happened to me, and this person never apologized, but I'm going to forgive that person anyway. And that's where our healing begins. Yeah, I think to some extent you... If this maybe isn't theological, we use this term a lot. You maybe hold the hand of God's blessings on your life as well, just by because when we determine that we're not going to forgive, we hold ourselves to a boundary of unforgiveness. Or right, because the word says, unless you forgive, you can't be forgiven. Totally. And so that's where we come up with you can tie the blessings or the hand of God. And here you are, God's saying, I just, I'm so ready to bless them. I'm so ready to heal them. I'm so ready to see them be prosperous and be blessed. But they won't let go and they won't forgive that person. So 
Unless we forgive, we won't be forgiven. So it's so important for your sake, even if you let that person go, just give it to God and say, you know what, I'm forgiving everything that's happened to me. I'm giving it to God. I'm going to walk in forgiveness so God can bless me. Yeah, and just again, one more time, forgiveness doesn't always equate to forgetting. You still might remember some of the things that that person did to you or whatever, but at least if you can forgive, the Lord will do the rest and, and move forward. Yeah. Okay, and Last lastly word. is stonewalling. Stonewalling is when you withdraw or you stop listening or you do the famous eye roll. Um, do an eye roll for us, honey. You're really good at it. <laughs> okay, I was, I was so good at this. <laughs> That if my father would be watching, he would, he would laugh. I don't know if anybody else ever had this happen to you. We ha would, I would ride in the back seat of the car. I'm in the back, and maybe I would, my mom would say something or my sister or something, and I would just, you know, whatever, and kind of whatever, do the eye roll thing, and say something sarcastic or critical or defensive. I would do something, and he would say, Janie, put your face up here. Did anybody else's parents ever do that? Put your face because you're getting a smack? See, I knew I was the only one. Yeah. That is just crazy. Honestly, and this was not like once. This That's because we call it abuse today. <laughs> this happened a lot. He would say, Janie, get your face up here because I said something. I was a smart mouth. <laughs> so here in the car is my parents' car, and I had to put my face up there, and then he would pop me. And I just thought that was natural, but I guess it's not. <laughs> All right, my parents were ministers. They maybe took it out on me. I don't know. They made me who I am today, yeah. or you. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, that eye roll can get you in trouble, like it did me. But it can also be you're not listening. You're, you're stonewalling. You're building a wall, yeah. and he is trying to talk to me. Um, and maybe I just got done getting a little argument or just, you know, we said something that just really wasn't a big deal, but maybe I was just a little frustrated. And then he might come up and want to talk to me. Yep. And I would just like this. And he'd say, but I want to talk to you. And I'm like, mm -hmm. Sweetie. no, I'm not listening. Sweetie. No. Honey. Uh-uh. And I'm not looking at him. He, I do. He, I know he's there, Professional but I'm, stonewaller I'm doing right this. And then he might say something. I'll say, he'll say, I'll say well, you got to, you sing it. Uh, no, you got to go to church, and I got to go lead worship. No, you sing it. All right, you got to preach. You preach it. You, you know, and you just kind of, you do it. You put that whole little attitude. We're just killing our relationship. And then we got to go home and see each other. And I was like, how come you didn't do that? How come you didn't amen? Because I was mad at you. Something like yeah. that. You know, I mean, this is what we do as a family. We right. come to church and we act like we're smiling and we're so happy. But down inside, we're stonewalling. That is just one of the biggest killers. Rather than do, oh, do you want to give your word? And you then I'll give mine. I can. I was, one time I tried that with Janie. Get your face up here, but she never. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 not really. I mean, I did say that, but she... But communication, it don't work anymore. Communica <laughs> communication would be, as the worship team comes back, communication would be the, the opposite then. So we, we need to make sure that, uh, and Jane will expound on this a little bit, but communication is so key to every good relationship. It's just, I, I, you can't, you really can't hit on this enough. That just, uh, and again, not uh, sarcasm-laced communication, not hate-laced communication, not rhetoric-laced communication, but just good. Uh, the Bible says in Proverbs, a reliable or a good communicator brings healing. This is Solomon, the wisest man in the world. He says that it brings healing when we communicate, communicate properly. Yeah, so, so what we want to encourage you to do um, this week, this is what I have to do, because this guy has so much going on on his brain. His brain is just going. He's thinking about this, and today he's thinking about that building downtown that just has water just flowing from this floor. Then down in the basement, it's just flowing. He's thinking of the hundred thousands of dollars, the lights and the stuff. And I want to tell him that I'm hot up here singing. I'm hot. And he's like, I'm going to go turn the air on for you right now. 
but I think I'm like the most important moment. You need to just be paying attention to me. He might have a million things going on. And what I want to encourage you to do, what I need to encourage me to do is say, honey, I need to tell you something. Are you listening to me? Listening, man. Because otherwise he's not. He's, or maybe your role, role reversal. You might not be listening and you give the, yeah, uh-huh. You didn't hear me because I wanted to tell you something. And then he'll say, I'll say, you know, we're praying for Patricia's mom. Who? I read the whole thing. Oh, yeah. So then we got to go through the whole thing again. I'm going to read it again. And we, we saw a miracle in that. And so we're so blessed with that. And God's doing a good thing there. But anytime things come in, I have to say, I need to tell you this. Are you listening? Because he's so busy. And maybe that's you. You're so busy. Your mind is going. So rather than have the, the stone wall or the I'm not listening, get there. Make sure you have their your friend or whoever your your coach make sure you're paying attention because it's so important that he knows and you know that we're listening so so this week just say i want to tell you something are you listening and and he says you know i'm really busy right now okay well, i'm gonna tell you later when you have a minute can we talk i just want to communicate because if you try to throw something at your friend your person your spouse your child when they're not listening, they're not going to hear it. And then you're going to be frustrated because they weren't listening or they didn't do what you thought they should do. So it's so important this week that you're going to speak life. You're going to say, we're only going to say encouraging words this week. Okay, we're going to try that. So negative words, let's let them go. And let's just watch and see relationships heal. And then we're going to forgive Humility. We're going to walk in humility, and we're going to, to watch our relationships not be about you. I love the, the saying that says someone walks into the room, and is it, oh, there you are, or you walk into the room, and it's, here I am. And it needs to be, oh, there you are, because it's, it's not about us. It's not about, it should be about the other person, it, like the scripture said, think low, less of yourself. So when someone comes to the room, it's like, oh, there you are, not, here I am. That's so important. So walk in humility and then the forgiveness. It's so important to walk in forgiveness. If somebody's hurt you, let's let it go. Let's let it go today. Let's say, I'm just going to forgive. I'm going to let that person be God. God be that person's judge. I'm not going to carry that burden. That's not for me to carry. And then the stonewalling. Can we talk? Do I have your attention? Are you listening? Not sarcastically, because that can turn into something ugly. Are you listening? I'm talking to you. Are you listening? No. It's not like that. It's, can we talk? I just need to tell you something. Is this a good time? So those are four keys that will help you build your relationship with your family, your children, your spouses, your bosses, your coach. Be attentive to, to try to have a, a better relationship. Amen. Why don't you stand with us this morning, and we're going to pray. And if you have any of those issues or uh, even if knowing some of that does, just, just practice them. Like Janie said, practice them this week. Uh, hey, I'm going to be more attentive. I'm going to be less critical. I'm going to be more uh, decisive in, in the decision-making process as it, as it relates to the relationship that I'm in. Father, we love you and bless you and thank you, Lord, as we get ready to sing one more song. We just pray our hearts would be open, Lord, to all that you have for us as we build relationships one with another. I pray, Lord, for relationships in this building, those watching online today. Lord, would you bless them? Lord, would you use them? Would you help us to walk in humility and forgiveness to help us communicate? And Lord, speak life, even if I have to speak it into ourselves first, so we can speak it into others. We thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you, Lord, for the service. Thank you for the people gathered here today. Bless them. Be with them, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's worship a little more song. God bless you. Thanks for coming out.
For joining us for today's service. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by investing today. You can give at www.gracechurch.tv give or by downloading the app and select give. We can't wait to see you next week.